And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Dr. Bear Paul Lando, coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme here uh, on the beautiful Smith River, where today we'll be discussing water and consciousness with the great Raymond Grace. And man, are we facing a deluge of sorts of late the last few days. I think we got four and a half inches of rain yesterday alone. Uh, they call it the atmospheric rivers, <laughs> bear, um, which seems to be a newer term, probably related to all the um, <laughs> um, playing with our atmosphere, with the uh, wonderful technologies they love to use these days. Uh, but that being said, the river's up, flowing good, and uh, we're not going to complain about having lots of water. So um, my pond's yeah, starting uh, to form out in the front yard, actually. <laughs> yeah, our our uh, our chicken run area looks like a swamp right now, and, and <laughs> I had to run down the river yesterday and actually go in a little bit in icy waters and pull a pump out of the water so we could... Uh, save it from the raging river and still be able to pump water, throw it in when we need it. So, but that's uh, what life off grid is like. And uh, our guest today, Raymond Grace, uh, also knows a little bit about living out in the backwoods. So uh, Mike, why don't you take it away with an intro and then uh, we can spend our time uh, hearing from Raymond, which is why we're all here today. Let's do it. Yeah, the universe knew we were talking about water, so it rewarded us with a plenty. One quick thing on this weekend, TrueEarther.com. Uh, TrueEarther.com, the Mount Miro 2 Summit. I'll be speaking Tuesday, uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock, along with uh, Amanda Vollmer, Kelly Brogan, Andrew Kaufman, uh, all sorts of amazing friends on that. So check that out, TrueEarther.com. Raymond Grace is with us today. Renowned water dowser joins us to explore our innate abilities in healing planetary, planetary waters through energetic methodologies. He's a water witcher, to use the vernacular of the Appalachian Mountains, where Raymond lives. Dowsing, as it's more commonly termed, is an art that has been used for a long time to find underground water veins. Some people scoff at dowsing, but not the ones who drilled a well and found good water where the water witcher said it would be. Raymond is the president and founder of the Raymond Grace Foundation with a mission focus of cleaning water, cleaning planetary waters for present and future generations. What sets the Raymond Grace Foundation apart from other ecologically minded groups is his employment of dowsing and energetic methods of cleaning contaminated waters. As a world-renowned dowser and featured speaker at dowsing conferences, uh, the Edgar Casey Foundation of Research and Enlightenment, the Monroe Institute, the Coptic Conferences, and many similar events, Raymond has authored three books, The Future is Yours, Do Something About It, Techniques That Work for Me, and Seasons of April, which have been translated into Italian, Spanish, Chinese, and Russian. I heard of this practice all my life, and a neighbor had a good reputation for finding water, but seems no one went beyond finding water with this ability. Raymond has evolved his dowsing and energy work since he commenced training in 1973 and has shared his knowledge with thousands of people worldwide. 
During this time, he has traveled the world exploring healing modalities from many cultures, including India, Bali, Thailand, Cambodia, Little Tibet, South America, South Africa, South Africa, and Kashmir. Never did I ever think in my wildest dreams that a mountain man from the hills of Virginia would present to me the most authentic healing modality I have encountered to date. Uh, these are all great testimonials that Raymond has received over the years. Uh, he feels that most people have more mental ability than they are aware of. And if they are not aware of it, they don't use it. Dowsing is a way to improve our intuition and receive information we might not receive otherwise. It can help us make better decisions in most any part of our life. Quote, if there is something in the human mind that can detect water many feet underground, then why can we not use this same ability for other things? We definitely can. Join us today as we dive deep into dowsing and the power of consciousness and the amazing relationship we have with the sacred waters. Bear Lando, please take it away, my friend. Okay. Uh, hey, Raymond, uh, thank you, first of all, for being with us and taking time for us. It's uh, real special to have you here today, and I'm especially looking forward to this talk. Uh, I started dowsing myself with different kinds of instruments uh, to support my what I do, which is medicine. So I suited it more to dowsing human bodies, and then also I live on a farm and we grow things and i always use my dowsing to find uh, the best places for certain plants to be how to orient them and uh, where to find water and just the perfect conditions and you know we have a very open-minded community here but there's always a couple skeptics in the crowd so uh you know we might get some comments about oh is this just some kind of new agey hocus pocus uh, having done it for a long time myself, I would argue very strongly that it's actually old world science and a science that is desperately needed on our planet today. So uh, thank you. And what we really want to hear about is your journey, how you got started in this. And uh, for those that believe that experts need some kind of piece of paper or credential or college degree to justify themselves, I would also argue that the best stuff to learn out there, you aren't going to find in a university and, uh, you know, maybe consulting with uh, uh, knowledge that's been on the planet forever is where we really need to go. And I know that's pretty much where you come from. So welcome. Thanks again. And uh, maybe if you just start us out with a little introduction of uh, who you are and how you got into all this. Okay, I'm a product of these Appalachian Mountains here, north of, about 25 miles north of Tennessee line. Lived here for, well, all my life and for a few generations back to the mid-1700s. But uh, people want to know how I got started with uh, dowsing, and uh, I do more than just dowsing. Now, uh, you said a few things there that are not totally accurate. You read what someone else wrote, I think. Uh, that is, I do not actually claim to be a water dowser. Yes, I found a little bit of water for people, but uh, that's not what I do the most of. Uh, what I do is is beyond uh, just water. But let's let's talk about water right now. What I work with water is to change and purify it, uh, not necessarily find it. 
I take water that's already been found, uh, like water flowing through pipes uh, in your house and lakes and um, maybe ponds and all that. Uh, so let me let's just go back to the beginning here. Uh, I actually went to school a little bit, but not very much. And I was in algebra class one time, and the teacher made a statement that scientifically, scientific studies said that Einstein used only maybe 10% of his brain. Well, I had heard of Einstein, but I didn't know who he was. But I thought, well, I wonder what he could have done if he had used 25% of his brain. So I started out on a quest that day to see what we could learn and what we could do with our minds. I'm still on that quest after many years later. Now, I learned a lot of useless information in school uh, that I haven't needed at all. No one's ever paid me to, sh to quote Shakespeare. Uh, I, 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 never, there wasn't any money in that. So what I'd work to do was find what can we do that actually makes a difference in our lives. So uh, I'd like to start out with a few quotes here from uh, Einstein. And actually, these three statements is what all my work is based on. Uh, one is all things, including beliefs, thoughts, memories, and opinions are forms of energy. The intelligent human mind can direct energy. Number two, energy is impressed upon matter. Thoughts and actions are energy. Your physical body is matter. This is more important than people think it is. If you put your body in a low energy place, you're going to be negatively affected by it. I could talk a long time on this kind of stuff, uh, but let's just keep it simple right now. And then you ask any questions you like. And the third principle is energy follows thought. A matter of fact, uh, Willie Nelson's got a song out right now on that. That's the title of it, Energy Follows Thought. Pretty good song. I play it in my classes as it starts classes uh, whenever I do them. So those are the three principles on which everything I do is, is based, except maybe one more. And this was an old German philosopher years ago in the 1700s that said, see a man as he is, and he'll get worse. See him as he could be, and he will improve. So I have a story to follow up on that right now before I forget it. This goes back about a year ago. One of my friends out in California had called me that her mother had had a brain operation. And the next day or two days after whatever, she could not walk. Not even with a walker, a cane, or any kind of an aid. So I thought, well, I'm going to try something. I have nothing to lose, a lot to gain. The next day... The woman was walking without a cane or a walker. And within a week, she had walked four miles. Now, this sounds simple. It sounds ridiculous, but it's the truth. All I did was imagine holding her hand and running down the beach. I saw her as she could be. That's all I did. No formula, no big words. No, nothing. Matter of fact, watermelon's the biggest word I know. So I keep everything <laughs> real simple. Uh, so um, that can be applied to your everyday life, especially this time of year, holiday season coming up. People are invited places, and a lot of times they don't really want to go because they don't get along with the people, and they start thinking about, well, uh, 
we're going to have arguments. We're not going to get along. And as long as you think that, you're feeding the problem. You're not feeding the solution at all. So for anybody out there listening, if we get this on the air soon enough, think about where you live you're going for holiday festivities and think about the best possible thing that could happen. Because quite frankly, you have the ability to create the future. The future is created by our thoughts. Jose Silva said it this way, the future is thoughts not yet materialized. So the first rule of success is think of what you want, not what you don't want. Because your brain is far more powerful than anyone ever told you it was. Now, about cleaning up water. I set a goal about 36 years ago to clean some water up on this planet. I haven't got it all done yet. I may never get it all done. But maybe I can teach enough people that in the long run, we can make a significant difference. I have made significant differences in some places. Uh, At the time, I had a little kid about two years old, and I had read that only 2% of the water on this planet was drinkable. And I got to thinking, well, 40 years down the road, she and her kids going to have decent water to drink. So I set a goal that day. I'm going to clean up some water on this planet. Now, I didn't have a plan. I just had a determination. That's about all I've ever had, really. So I'll give you a few stories. <clears throat> Might as well give you the best one first, I guess. I was doing a Skype uh talk in Perth, Australia about two years ago. And that uh, video is still available uh, at Raymond Grace YouTube channel. And I was asked if I could clean up the water in Perth, Australia. Well, I had no idea. I'd been cleaning up water for uh, people's springs and uh, maybe streams and ponds and drinking water, wells. I'd been doing that for a few years and had pretty good results with it. Uh, maybe even real good, but I'd never tried a project like this before. So I said, well, how many people do you have there in Perth, Australia? Uh, about two million. Well, it takes a lot of water to supply that many people. Where do you get the water? Well, there's a lake north of town there. I don't recall the name of it. It had a big, long name. And I said, well, let me see what I could do. So I started checking the water. The water was about the worst that I had ever encountered anywhere on planet Earth. It actually was demonically possessed. Now, I had not discovered anything like that before. wasn't looking for it, didn't expect it, but that's what I found. So I asked my talk show host, uh, what's going on out there uh, around that lake? I said, this is this terrible. Now, you got to remember, energy is impressed upon matter. Thoughts and actions are energy. Water is matter. He said, well, there's a lot of demonic worship and pedophilia in that area. Well, no wonder you put water is no good. I had to clean up the whole, and you can ask questions on this later if you want to. I had to do a major cleanup on that water. Now, we didn't have a very large crowd in that uh, talk, uh, only 40 from Perth, Australia. Out of those 40, I got 27 emails thanking me for giving them good tasting water. How did I do it? How did I do it? I cleaned up the lake. Uh, and it was a rather large lake. Well, it had to be to to provide water for that many people. Well, what I do a lot of times, and I've got a video out there, I was being interviewed by a couple up in Alaska, 
uh, that said their water tasted terrible. And I said, well, let's do a bit of an experiment here while we're on film. And let's, it'll either work or it won't. I said, uh, I want you to go to the kitchen and get a cup of water and bring back and sit in front of the camera so everybody can see you. Now, I want you to take a sip of that water and tell me how it tastes. You should have seen, and you can still see this, the expressions on the, on the woman's face when she drank the water. So this is delicious. Yeah, well, that was the plan. So that's what we've learned to do over the years is help people have clean water. And um, I, we'll, we'll go wherever you want to ask a question on that. Well, um, first off, great. Thanks for um, opening discussion into a wider arena. And, you know, when I spoke of dowsing, um, you know, I'm aware that you aren't just a dowser. And um, in my work in the past, also, the most important thing of some of the instruments uh, similar to what you use there to do things, it is also a method of sending energy and not just picking up information. So it goes both ways. And I think that's the most, in my opinion, the most valuable takeaway of what you've developed as far as your abilities, because that's what the world sorely needs right now is people understanding the principles of transmutation. And I know you speak on transmutation quite a bit. Um, could you maybe elaborate a little bit just from your perspective? Well, I've never used that word. It's a little bit too big for me. But what we do, we basically <laughs> okay. take water and we turn it into good, pure, drinkable water. Good. And that's transmutation, changing one yeah. thing into another. Yeah. So uh, brilliant. And we do it with intent. Now, yes, I use dowsing. So let me show you what my dowsing tool looks like. It's a 4570 bullet on the chain. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's what I use. Now, um, it's, but I want to put this information out. There's absolutely no magic in this bullet. It's simply a bullet on a chain. That's all. The magic is in your brain. This is a tool, and that's all it is. So many people want to worship a pendulum. Well, don't do that. That's not smart. Uh, it's just simply a tool, like a trowel is to a bricklayer, a hammer is to a carpenter. Uh, not really any difference, um, not, in, not in principle anyway. So uh, I won't get into trying to explain doubting. I've got videos out there that do that, so there's no point in taking up our time here today to do it. If folks are interested enough, you can go to Raymond Grace's YouTube channel. I don't even know how many videos are on there. Somebody else takes care of that for me. Uh, but uh, we, there'll be enough there where you can uh, get a pretty good understanding of what doubting is and how it can be used so uh, i recommend you do that and that that gives us more time to talk about something else here but uh, the real key to changing water is intent it has nothing to do with this bullet nothing at all uh, it's all in the mind so um what i really do uh try to do for people is show them the power of intent or the power of the mind. And it's, you can do a lot more with it than people think they can. And that's what I've spent, oh, quite a long 50 years working on.
I started working with what uh, the mine could do about 50 years, 1993. And, uh, well, actually, I was working on it before that. I was working on it since about 1973. I started using dowsing in 93, but I was working with the mine starting in, in 73. So that's been 50 years. And I've had a pretty fair amount of experience with it. Uh, haven't always had perfect success, but overall, I won more than a loss. And that's really the key to everything is winning more than you lose. So uh, go ahead and throw out another question here and we'll uh, see. Sure. What Ray, Raymond, you, you going back into this idea of mind and the power of thinking, you mentioned Jose Silva. Was he yeah. a big inspiration? Because he's a fascinating character who was not trained by any means to do this, didn't come up in, as an ascetic or a monk or anything. He was, a, I believe, an electrician. Um, who developed his Silva method. Would you enlighten our audience a little bit about him and uh, yeah. the influence he's had he on you? Jose Silva, I believe, was born in 1911, if I remember correctly. And he never went to school during his life. He learned to read by reading comic books. So he never saw the inside of a schoolhouse. And uh, I have a picture of him selling newspapers on the street corner of Laredo when he was about 10 years old. But he had a different mind, and I'll just uh, keep it real simple. I, I had a great deal of respect for Jose. I worked for him for five years and, and teaching his method. I was one of his instructors from 90 to 95. And um, he, he was a highly intelligent man, and he kept things fairly simple. Um, but he was a, a very good-hearted person. He, he wanted to help humanity, and I always admired him for that. Um, so I, I still use a lot of his methods today. I altered some of them, uh, just a little bit, but, uh, he, he still had a, a good program. I don't know exactly who's handling that anymore because Jose passed on, I think it was about 97 maybe. Um, but I would say that Jose really made a great contribution to the world and to humanity. Can I just say that one of the inspirations, and not necessarily from Jose specifically, but the name of Alpha Vedic comes from the concept of tapping into the Alpha Wave mindset, right? And I know that was a big aspect of what his method was around, correct? Uh, that is correct. So let me give you a simple uh, statement on that. Jose said any thought, hunch, or idea you had with your brain and the beta brain frequency, which was 20 cycles per second, you had about a 20% chance of being correct. Any hunch, guess, intuitive thought you had in the alpha range, at the alpha frequency, which is 10 cycles per second, you would have an 80% chance of being correct. So you can improve your intuition from 20% to 80% by doing your thinking in the alpha brain frequency. And so, I, I teach that in, in the classes I do, I teach how to reach the alpha brain frequency. I teach what to do once you get there. Uh, but what it really does in a nutshell, it adds power to your thoughts. There's really not that much power to your thoughts in a, in a beta brain frequency. So if you want to add power and really make things happen, you do your thinking at 10 cycles per second instead of 20. So in my experience using 
dowsing or whatever we want to call it. It was, uh, I likened it in hindsight, I likened it to training wheels where it actually helps a practitioner tune into that alpha state more readily. And um, I know over the years, as I've used instruments like this, there's really not even a need to have an instrument um, because you just automatically can perceive. Well, it's the simplest way, and I always break mm -hmm. everything down or to the simplest way to say it, is it's nothing more than daydreaming. Mm -hmm. Would you, you, say, daydream it's, would you say it's more directed daydreaming, though? Or your your intent, as you yes. say, intention matters. Right here is the first rule of success. Think of what you want, not what you don't want. And do it at a low brain frequency. This is how you make things happen. Some people watch things happen. Some people make things happen. Some people wonder what happened. Learn to make things happen. Now, you've had some great experiences. Um that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at right now. If, if you don't mind, uh, maybe just elaborating a little bit about some of these uh, experiences that you've had. There's one I was particularly interested in uh, being in medicine and all, and that's the story of uh, steel plates disappearing from an individual's back. Yeah, uh, and I can't claim any credit for that, really, because I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't even know the steel plates were in his back. This was a friend uh, I had become friends with in Canada, and we were on a road trip out to the Midwest, and there was uh, three of us together, he and I and a girl that was going with us, and we, when we checked in our room there, we, we didn't really know one another very well. It was a little bit of an awkwardness, and um, all I knew was that he had a lot of back pain, and he walked with great difficulty. When I first met him, he was walking with two canes. And before that, what had happened, he had broken his back in a truck wreck. And was told he was in a wheelchair for quite a while, was told he would never walk again, but he would not give up. Uh, so I'm greatly condensing the story. But So I knew that he had back pain, but that's really all I knew. So I said, uh, lay down there on the bed a minute. So the girl that was with us, I said, now I want you to go over and put your hands on his hips, just like this. And she looked at me kind of weirdly. I said, look, just go go do it. Don't, don't ask. Just go put your hands on his hips. See, I knew that he would be more receptive to her energy than he would to mine. You usually want to work male and female like that. It, it just works better. So while she is sitting there uh, on the bed with her hands on his hips, I'm sitting on the other bed sending energy. I was using a pendulum like this, but my intent, and intent's the key word, sending energy through her body, through her hands, into his back. Well, this goes on for maybe as much as five minutes. I really don't know. And I said, okay, that's all you can do. Let him up. Well, he stood up, and he stood up straighter, and he said, uh, are there any steel plates in my back? I didn't know what he was talking about. And I got my pen on any steel plates in his back. Nope. I said, are they supposed to be? He says, it's been there for 15 years. But said, they, I saw them disappear. The next morning, he bent over and touched the floor. 
He said, I haven't done that in 15 years. After that, he started walking a lot better. He never did get totally better, but he got greatly improved, especially with the pain. That I can't claim any credit whatsoever on that uh, because I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't even know what was supposed to happen, but it worked. So all I had was intention. That's all. So when someone said, how did you clean up a big lake out there in uh, Australia? You can't get any further away from where I live than Perth, Australia. It's on the bottom half and the other side of the world. How did you do that? Then sometimes, well, how did you, uh, how do you change the taste of water in England or Germany or wherever? If you're talking to somebody on Skype or uh, when, when we filmed was in Alaska. Um, how do you do that? Um, it doesn't matter what you ask. I got the same answer for all of it. One word, intent. And, uh, and all <clears> that <throat> is intensify your intention. That's I love, all. I love that. No magic is bullet at all. It's all. The magic is up here in the brain. This is simply a tool, and that's all it is. But it works. It's like a hammer. I said this earlier. It's like a hammer is to a, to a carpenter. You know, the the sort of modern Western mind, of course, is is asking, have you ever had a chemical assay or any scientific research done on pre and post water uh, in terms of of this you know, method? Of course, I will say that the qualitative effects from taste alone should be enough because our senses in this realm with taste related directly to water um, are much in a way much more powerful than a chemical assay <laughs> um, and much more truthful uh, in terms of our connection to the divine and the greater truths. However, I will put that out there for the skeptics out there. Have you ever had that work done, Raymond, um, doing a pre and post scientific quote unquote scientific study? Yes, and I'm real glad you asked. And it occurred in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan in 2002. Uh, the same man that uh, had the steel plate disappear out of his back, he and I, uh, we traveled uh, quite a bit together all across the United States, all across Canada. That is after uh, the story I told you, that was the first time we ever had traveled together. Uh, we traveled together for two or three years thereafter. Okay. So I was invited to uh, have dinner with the family at Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And I didn't know why we were being invited, but we went. We were traveling that way anyway. And they said, you can stay all night with us. And well, so, okay, this, this sounds good. And then when I got there, I found out why we were invited. And they had a well that according to the water test done by, I believe it would be called the Canadian Board of Health. The water contained, if my memory is correct, 47 parts of million, uh, you know, 47 parts, yeah, per million of, of arsenic. Okay. Uh, so a fellow said 10 parts per million was the highest acceptable level for drinking. Anyone know if I could do anything about it? And I said, I don't know. I never tried anything like this, but I'm willing to try. The worst I can do is nothing. 
He said, well, there's a cap on the well, so you can't energize water and pour it down the well. And I said, well, that's okay. Um, I'll go out and talk to the water for a while. I do weird stuff like this. So uh, I went out and worked, talked mentally to the water and worked to take the arsenic out of it. And if you ask me how, I don't really remember. It was just an intent. Like, I want to, yeah, I don't remember now. I want to I use a term called scramble the frequency of something because everything has a frequency. And if we scramble that frequency, we can turn it into something else. Now, that's a real elementary uh, answer, but it's about the best I can do. So I scrambled the frequency of arsenic to transform it into water. Well, I didn't know if we'd done anything or not. I said, have the water tested again. Let me know. Well, it wasn't very long. I got a very enthusiastic phone call. We just had the water tested by the Canadian Board of Health, and it's down to seven parts per million. <laughs> Where it has been 40, I believe 47, it's down to seven parts of arsenic per million. I said, well, that's not good enough. Let me work on it again. Now, the first time I was physically there, the second time I was 4,000 miles away, three to 4,000, somewhere along there. It's a long ways from here to Saskatoon. Okay. Have it tested again. They did. There was barely a detectable trace of arsenic in the water. So, yeah, that's about as scientific as you'd want to get, I guess. Indeed. And what's wonderful, too, is you're doing this over Skype and Zoom remotely. So it's not like you need to be in person there over the water. And I think that's a very important thing to understand is that the Cartesian idea of, you know, distance and physicality and all that doesn't play when we talk about mind and the power of the mental. Well, in, intent does, uh, is not confined by time and space, but sorry, go ahead there, Raymond. Yeah. Uh, a distance is not a fact. Like I said earlier, you can't get much further away than Perth, Australia from where I live. So I've, I've learned distance doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Can I ask you and one thing, Raymond? Thing I did second time I worked on that. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even have Skype back then. I mean, I lived so far back in the woods that uh, we we had to get a booster to even ha uh, have a conversation like this. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, all I did is talk to the man on the phone. I said, I'll work on it again. And all I did was pull out my pendulum and said, hey, I want to uh, scramble the frequency of the remaining arsenic in that water and turn it into pure water. That's it. There's no reason to look for something else. There is nothing else to look for. That's what I did. I keep everything so simple that you fellas went to school too long. You can't have trouble understanding <laughs> In that, can I ask you something? In that methodology of intent, are you engaging more in your heart? Do you is it a feeling you're going with more than sort of imagination or mental? Uh, you no, know, it's all imagination. It's every bit is imagination. See, that's another thing Einstein said. That, that old guy was pretty sharp. He said imagination is more important than knowledge, and it's also been. Uh, uh, scientifically proven or at least the word i got i was on uh, four uh, shows no three three shows i guess it went pretty much worldwide here uh within the last two years and a fellow that was hosting the show tom mccarthy uh sent me something one day that i had suspected all along but i didn't really have any proof 
that the brain cannot tell the difference in imagination and reality. And I had I'd kind of figured that all the time, but I didn't really have any educated uh, people backing me up on it. Uh, so that's that's all that's all it was. You just think of what you want to happen. See, your thoughts now, are far more powerful than anyone ever told you. Um, and the reason they didn't tell you this in school, they didn't know. Uh, so I had to figure out all this stuff myself for the most of it. Now, I got some good information from Jose Silva. Uh, I want to give that man a lot of credit because he was a good man. I learned I learned a lot from him. Uh, now, what I did, I, used to, I, I talked for Jose about five years, and then I got to thinking, yeah, he, he had some good information, but there was more things I wanted to incorporate. So I had taken a bit of shaman training, not a whole lot, but some to learn, learn a little bit. And then I had got involved in dowsing back in 93. So what I did, I took a lot of Jose's methods, working with the mind, what I had kind of uh, made up myself, and a little bit of shamanism, not a whole lot, and dowsing, and I incorporated, incorporated all that into the class that I teach. And anytime I learn something new, I put it in the class. I always try to keep some things updated and give people a little bit more than what they're expecting. Um, but the goal here that I, I have, the reason I teach classes, is it helps people have a better life. You can change what they think is their reality. Well, it, it is their reality because they don't know there's anything else. But you can change this. And we do an awful lot of changing things. Now, let's see. I had some more notes here uh, that I want to tell you about. Um, well, okay, let's talk a little bit more about water because the reason I got into all this back 37 years ago, uh, or let's say it a different way. The reason I, I took on water as a project 37 years ago is because it was we were having less and less good water. And as I mentioned that, I wanted to, to the future generations to have uh, good drinking water. So I took on a project. I spent quite a bit of money cleaning up a river. Uh, I still do that. Uh, every, after every flood, I go out and clean up the river. Uh, but um, we had something here. Let me look at my notes here just a moment here. Yeah, there was a swimming pool uh, down in Texas. One of my friends called and it had, it had a flood. And it washed in uh, a lot of dirt from the from the yard and the surrounding area because it pretty pretty good flood. I mean, it came in um, all of the water falling on around the place went into the pool, and it was nothing but mud, uh, or at least real muddy water. And then they asked if I could do anything about it. They said we're going to have to drain the pool, have it all pumped out, have it cleaned up, polished. And fill it up again. It's going to be expensive. I said, let me see what I can do. The next day, they go out and look. The water in the pool clear all the way to the bottom. Now, I didn't go there to do it. It's about 1,500 miles from here to that place in Texas. And all I did was use, did what I always do. Scramble the frequency of the pollutant, which was the mud and the leaves and the grass and everything that was in it. Turn it into water. Well, it that will that match any kind of scientific uh, experiment? I don't think so. Uh, it's just what 
Uh, you see, I don't put limitations on what can be done. I, I just, I just totally disregard what everybody else knows is truth, and I just, I just do it. Now, do I always win? There's been a few times I had problems with getting a uh, getting someone to have good water. It might get good for a while and then it would go back. I've got one problem like that up in Pennsylvania right now that I've not totally been able to solve. I've only partially solved it. So I'll try to tell it the way it is. I haven't always won, but with water, I would say I won 99% of the time. Now, you also had an episode uh, where you were working with the swimming pool, and I don't know if this is the same incidence, but uh, a girl, I think the way it goes, had sores on her body, and and by going into the water, it, it helped remedy her situation. Uh, you a, tell us a little a bit about here. that? Yeah, I've got a note here, and I think we're talking about the same thing. This was in, uh, this was in Casper, Wyoming, if I remember correctly. I was doing a class out there. And the lady that sponsored me in the place, uh, she said uh, she works for some healing facility and they have a therapy pool and said they put a lot of chemicals in it. And she said mm. they put so many chemicals in there that she has to get a new bathing suit about every 10 trips to the pool because it just makes it fall apart. And the people are always out there griping and complaining with arthritis and aches and pains. And I said, well, I believe I could clean that water up for you. She said, well, uh, let's let's go down. I said, we don't need to go there. And she looks at me kind of funny. I said, we can do it for right here. I said, just let me know. Well, we started back home. And before I got on the road more than half a day, I got a phone call. The people out there in the pool are not grouching and complaining anymore. They're out there having a party. And then two weeks later, they've never put any more chemicals in the water. We changed the energy of the water that changed the energy of the people. There was another one up in Canada, and uh, this was the same person who uh, re removed the, the steel plates from his back. Uh, his dad was a very, uh, a very intelligent person, and he had some water that he had gathered up from various places, including a spring, I believe it's called the Lords of France uh, that has supposed to have sacred water. But he, he'd been over there and he brought some of that back. Well, he had about maybe eight or nine little glasses of water sitting on the table and he had a number on each one. Well, I didn't know where each water came from, but he had me energize a glass of water and he marked it. Well, I couldn't tell which was mine, which was the rest of them. And the, the plan was that I would uh, set a glass of water on the table and he would come down a long hallway with his doubting rods to detect the energy of the water. Well, the water for some of it would go out maybe a foot, two feet, three maybe, but the one from France went out, I believe it was about nine feet, which told me the water had more energy. The one I energized went out something like 18 or 19 feet. So we had a 23,000 gallon swimming pool there. And he says, wonder what would happen if we put this water that you energized in the pool. I said, no, let's don't do that. I won't use your 
you go measure the energy of your pool first. It had an energy field of approximately three feet. He said, now, let's pour your water in. I said, no, let's put one drop in. I stuck my finger down in that glass of water. I got one drop on the end of my finger, shake it off in the pool, stirred it around with my hand. I said, now, come back and measure the energy of your pool. It went out somewhere on the other side of the yard, maybe 50, 100 feet away. Well, he wanted to do an experiment, and I wasn't there with this, but I heard about it two or three days later. He got his neighbors that had aches and pains and limp and sprains and all this, and he brought them over sort of like a sheep dip, run my all in one side of the pool and out the other, and they come out, they didn't hurt. And he, he had, was a welder, and he had a burn on his arm. Whenever he came out of the pool, burn was gone. So we, we started having literally magical stuff happen with water. Now, did I understand it? No, not really, but it happened, and I was glad it did. So are we still having things happen? Yeah, uh, not quite as surprising as they once were, but I guess the best one was probably the, uh, uh, the lake there in Australia. Uh, actually, I haven't written down much of this at all, and I'm going from memory, and sometimes the older you get, the foggier your memory gets. But is it still working? Yes. Now, what I'm hoping to do is people will be listening to this out there decide to try it. Now, if you don't believe it, don't bother to write me. Because if you write and say, I don't believe what you're doing, I'll write you back and tell you I don't give a damn. Diplomacy is not one of my faults. If you want to learn how, I'll try to point you in a direction to help you out. So that's just, uh, I just save a lot of problems by being blunt. That's yeah. uh, a, a lot of wisdom in that, I believe. Um, can you tell us a little bit about changing the frequency of music? I find that, uh, you know, extremely fascinating. Yeah. I can't tell you much because I'll tell you, I know two, two, two tunes. One's Yankee Doodle, the other one ain't. Okay. That's how much I know about music. <laughs> right. So I have a friend uh, that contacted me one day and she and her daughter had composed a song. And she wanted to play it to me over the phone. Well, I have a problem understanding female voices in songs. I just really can't tell what they're saying. It's on the ears, like I said, not, been, not that good. But she says, I'm not real happy with it. I said, well, let me see if I can make you happy. I said, play it again. She played it again, so this is not the same music. I changed the frequency of it. Now, I also did that, and I won't say who, but a very famous singer that told me one day that they were not happy with their music anymore. And I said, well, why? You know, you have plenty of big overflow crowds, concerts, people love you. Why are you not happy? Well, it just, it just doesn't make me happy like it used to. Well, let me see what I can do. I said, now, I was doing a Skype session. I said, let me work on this. Now, after we close out, I want you to play your music that you're not happy with. And then write and tell me what happened. She wrote and said, this is a different music. All I did was change the frequency. Did I really know what I was doing? No, but I seldom do. You just do things. And you hope something will happen. And most of the time it will. Not always, but most of the time. 
You see, right here's what I got going for me. I told you, I never went to school a day in my life. Watermelon's the biggest word I know. But what I've got going for me is I don't know I can't. Well, it, it makes perfect sense, I think, the more we try to get in and explain why or try to know why and maybe things that we aren't even capable of knowing. If we just know that our intent has no limitations, I think you're right on. That's basically the bottom line. You know what I found most uh, impressive and I'm a big believer in this, if we had more uh, people in this world that uh, projected positive thoughts, we'd have a lot fewer problems. Now, I heard, um, I think somebody uh, or yourself talking about how crime rates can be lowered and, uh, you know, just uh, have larger consequences in entire communities and maybe even countries. I want to tell a story. This is important. Uh, I am concerned about kids growing up now. They are totally different than when I grew up. And they're not any better. They're worse. They have problems that I didn't have. Of course, most of the world have problems I don't have. But uh, I was on a um, Tucson Dowsers uh, talk show in 4th of November. And someone asked a question, how can I keep my 15-year-old daughter safe at school? Now, I'm going to leave out a certain number of details here. Uh, just try to hit the bottom line. But I spoke for, I meant to talk for an hour, and I think I wound up talking two hours just uh, because I had a lot of questions they wanted to uh, answer. So I answered those the best I could. But what I really wanted to talk about was schools. Now, I do not know the person I'm talking about. I did meet her, but that, that's all. And this was after the fact. I got a phone call one morning. I had no idea how she knew who I was or anything. And it was a lady that was crying. She was a school bus driver over in North Carolina. And she said, I have got to stop driving. I cannot tolerate it anymore. These kids are like wild animals. They have no manners. They have no respect. Uh, they are just literally a disaster. And they, they cuss me. They scream at me. They, they, they hit one another. They fight on the bus. And she said, I just got back from the from a morning run, and she was she was crying then. And I said, "Well, look, I want to see if I can do you a favor, but you owe me something. You owe me a phone call this afternoon when you make make the other run." She <laughs> called me laughing. Those are not the same kids. They were quiet. They were polite. They were respectful. The one that had been the meanest actually came up and hugged me as she got off the bus. What did I do? Well, this was one of the worst pieces of humanity that I had run across. Every one of those kids lived in a haunted house. Now, that's not normal. That's not at all normal. There wasn't anything normal about this situation. The school was possessed. All the teachers were possessed. Now, I do a lot of exorcisms. Why? Because they're needed. So I did literally an exorcism on the whole school. Not only I didn't stop there, I did it on the kids and the kids' houses. And I was doing a class in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, within a month of that time. The woman was in class. She stood up and talked for 15 minutes, telling people about how different 
the kids were on the bus after that. Now, I've stopped serial killers. How do I know? Well, the police called them. They told me about it. They told them where to find them. Um, we've just, we'll, we'll take this conversation wherever you want, but I, what I want to say is, you folks out there listening, if you got kids and grandkids, um, I've got a, a video. It's at RaymondGrace.us. Uh, no, yeah, RaymondGrace.us. That's, that's my website. I've got one there that says, change the energy, change your life. I have an exorcism built into that video. Play it for wherever your kids or grandkids go to school. You will see a difference. And that's why I made it. I didn't make it specifically for schools. I just made it for homes or businesses or whatever. But since schools have turned into jungles, seem like in most places, uh, I'm trying to promote this enough so folks will actually uh, use it. Or you can watch that video from the Tucson Dallas. It's on my website. Or I think it's on my YouTube channel. Go there and watch it. And no, it's not diplomatic. I never am very much, but it's blunt and to the point. It'll show you how to get the job done. So um, if you don't want to buy the one I've got, just, just watch that one. It's free. The one I made has got more detail in it and so on. It's about an hour long. But uh, we we did this so you can send your kids and grandkids into school without them having to be afraid for their life or assault or whatever. Uh, the, the whole damn country is going, just about going to hell on this good stuff. And nobody seems to be doing anything. I wonder sometimes if I was the only one doing anything. So I decided I'm going to make a film that people can use, but they got to use it. If it just ignore it, it's not going to help anybody. So um, that's one of the things I like to do is give kids a, a better life than what they're getting. How about if we book. do a... Go, go ahead, please. No, please, you finish your thought. You wrote a book on what? Yeah, uh, I wrote a book on how I raised my kid and how I cleaned up the school. Um, matter of fact, I never sent her to school until she was 14 years old. Why? Because I knew about brain frequency. And I knew that uh, low brain frequency, kids are more susceptible to suggestion. So I waited until she was 14 years old and her brain frequency speeded up where she would not be brainwashed so easy. And it, it worked quite well. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but what I did, I cleaned up the school. We went to school for uh, uh, to get acquainted. I called and made an appointment, said uh, my daughter would like to come to school, starting in eighth grade. And uh, we've been homeschooling, so she won't have much trouble catching up. Um, and I, I'd just like to make this uh, a very pleasant experience, both for you and for us. So uh, I'll, I'll leave out most of the details. But when I left, I said, now, I'm going to clean up your school. There's not anything you can do about it. I hope you like it. I do not ask permission for doing things that helps somebody I care about. You've been taught to ask permission for everything. I don't believe in it. I believe you're just doing it. Okay. So three years, 
No, four years later, when she graduated school, she brought a teacher home with her at school. And I said, has anything changed at the school? She said, oh, it's not even the same school. I said, well, when did that happen? She said, oh, about four years ago. I said, uh, do you know why? And she thought about it. Well, that's when April came to school. So what did you do? I said, I did exactly what I said I would do. It changed the energy. Cleaned up the kids, cleaned up the kids' home, did you know, did everything. Now, here's this is what happened. I was speaking at Education Foundation. I told the story. It's been several years ago now. And some lady stood up and said, You just explained. I said, What did I explain? She said, Our son was in at least a dozen schools during his high school years because we moved a lot. He never did any good anywhere except one. He just happened to be going to the same school that your daughter went to at the same time. He did real well, made good grades, was happy. That was about as good a testimony as I could have got. That's uh, that's for sure. And, you know, with parents, uh, you know, I'm kind of old school myself. I'm pushing 80, so I grew up in a whole different world as uh, you did. And uh, when we were raising our kids who are in their 40s right now, uh, a lot of parents used to ask my wife and myself, well, how do you get them to mind? And uh, we didn't know how to answer the question because all we could say is, well, when we tell them to do something or give them guidelines, we have every expectation. You know, that's our intent. Uh, and, you know, we, we just don't have any doubt that the kids are going to do that. And I think with a lot of parents, they just have lost that, um, you know, that ability to um, move their intention out into the world, especially into their own families, and you see chaos. But, uh, you know, I think probably the place in our country that is most in need of an exorcism is the District of Columbia. So uh, what do you say if we uh, put our intent focus there, or are you already actively doing that? Well, let, let me say this. Uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't want to get into that on the air. Uh, okay. There's certain such uh, avoid, and politics being one of them. Why? Uh, because I don't have anything good to say, and I prefer to show people how to do things that they can do themselves, because... I'm not opposed to doing what you're suggesting. I just don't want to do it on the air. Understood. Yeah. I do a lot of stuff. I just prefer to keep secret. What I, um, exactly. What I'm really enjoying about this conversation related to the children is of course, I think one of the core things to take away today is, um, Raymond, you embody the childlike wonder of, of believing in the impossible because it's not impossible. All is possible when you understand the power of the mind and children are obviously still in that mindset. So it's so important that we foster that and that we provide them with the ability to engage in that because they can teach us a lot. I know I have two young sons and they teach me that every day about the power of imagination so that's just wonderful work you're doing there. And it is ironic that modern science can't even define energy. They define it as the capacity to do work or ability to do work. But really, energy is light. Energy is the divine essence 
of the creator and our ability to focus that through our thoughts is um, the prime directive of why we're here. And I thank you so much, Raymond, for for be being a reminder to us, all us adults, and the uh, supreme power that we have. Uh, any closing remarks well, or yes, go ahead. Yeah, let, let me let me tell a quick story about kids. Uh, when um, April was about five years old, she asked me for a soft drink one day. I said, April, I've already measured into that soft drink, and I know it's not good for you. However, you're a pretty sharp kid, so here's my pendulum. You take, uh, don't open it now. Take it over and set it at the table. And the value, the nutritional value of that on you is about 40 below zero. If you can raise it as high as, a, I believe, a set of plus 50, you can have it. Otherwise, you drink water. Well, she sat there with a pendulum, and she went very intently working on it and brought it back to give it to me to test. She had it up to a plus 90 or 100. I said, deal's a deal. It's yours. A few days later, I saw her eating a cookie. I said, I didn't see you raise the energy of that cookie. She said, I don't have to. I said, why? I have programmed myself that whatever I choose to eat or drink is always good for me. I was never able to prove her wrong. Mm -hmm. So kids will live up to or down to expectations. So mm -hmm. always don't, don't tell them what they can't do. Tell them what they can do. Yes. Important to be those uh, guides for them. Mentorship is so important. That's another thing that a lot of youth do not have right now is a proper mentor. So if you guys are feeling called by this video to touch base with your local schools and, and dive into being a mentor, I think that is a very powerful form of service right now. Uh, yes, I would suggest don't tell the school, principal, or teacher, anything. Yeah, Do it yourself. Because they will think you're crazy. Mm -hmm. And they will tell you they got to have to get a committee to study the matter. You know how God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh? He didn't have a committee. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so... I told the teachers what I was going to do just because I wanted to see the reaction. And I wanted them to know that we were the ones that made the difference. But for the average person out there, no, don't go even hint this to the school board, the teachers, the principal, anybody. All you'll do is create a problem. Do it yourself. Don't tell anybody about it and let them figure out. They'll never figure out what happened. They might notice that the crime went down. But uh, whenever you try to talk to the establishment about dowsing, it, it's uh, like trying to teach a pig to sing. It annoys, it's just a waste of time and annoys the pig. And uh, I know you don't. Know um, here on our platform at Alpha Vedic, that's pretty much what we do full time is we're all about being proactive and imagining and following through with action as far as how we want our worlds to be. Uh, you know, here on the farm, we grow food, we make our own medicine out of what we grow. Uh, we teach people how to do that themselves. And uh, I believe it's just all about getting back to our individual strengths and our intentions and not paying, as you say, 
any attention to what anybody is doing out there, let alone asking them for permission or advice. And that's where, you know, I've parted my ways with the political world a long time ago because it's just it's just an obstacle to your own imagination. If I had waited for someone to give me approval, I would have never gotten anywhere. Exactly. Well, I don't even act. You just do it. That really is the American way, my friend. You embody that uh, classic American concept of get up and do it yourself. If you want it done, do it yourself. And um, yep. don't ask permission. Yeah. People have been trained to ask for everything. Well, whenever you do that, you're giving your power to somebody else. Don't give your power away. Keep it for yourself and use it. You know, and of, and well, of course, I will but, say this, Raymond, your last name's a perfect, also, <laughs> also something to remember, do it with grace. Doesn't mean you just go and, you know, uh, do whatever you want against God's will and against, against natural law, because that's going to come back and slap you hard in the face. You do what you want based upon knowing grace and what is moral and right. And that's where the magic happens. Um Okay. Um, God, I had something else I was going to say there, but I don't forget what it was now. But um, <laughs> do you have anything else you want? I'm, I'm looking over my notes right here. Uh, well, I just think your right last here, name's perfect for your work is all I was saying there. Uh, you were definitely put on this planet for a reason. You came here for a reason. And thank you for being here and being such a great leader and a mentor to us all. Um, any final words? Um, your website is uh, in the show notes below here. Please, everybody, go support Raymond and his great work, RaymondGrace.us, the Raymond Grace Foundation. Go support them. What do you got on the horizon right now? Uh, what are you up to, Raymond, next few months? Well, uh, winter is coming on here. I just finished my last class of the year uh, last week. And uh, I won't do any more until, uh, oh, sometime probably late spring uh, because I don't do any classes during the winter because it, uh, the reason being people have to buy plane tickets to get here if they come from very far away. And you never know when plane flights are going to get canceled because of weather. So I won't be doing anything before spring. But uh, do we have any real major plans to do things? Yeah, right now I'm wanting to put my film, I've got nine hours of information filmed in place that we are hoping to get out to the general public worldwide because a lot of folks cannot afford to come from Europe or Asia or Australia or wherever. That's understandable. I want to make all this stuff as economical as possible. And people spend a whole lot more money getting to my place than they do paying for it. Uh, so I would like to solve that problem. Now, some people just want to show up anyway, and that's okay. But for the ones that just want the information, instead of all the travel experience, uh, I'm wanting to get it out there to where it can be economical and accessible to whoever wants it. That's, that's the plan right now, and we're, I think we're making some headway on it. 
Fantastic. And uh, any way that we can support your efforts, uh, we're here. So this is uh, why we do what we do. We connect with like-minded people here, combine our efforts and, uh, you know, uh, really hopefully make some world changes that are really needed right now. So any parting words uh, before we take off here? Well, yeah. I'll quote Henry Ford on this one. Will you believe you can? I believe you can't. You're right. <laughs> That's great. Love it. Love it. <laughs> thanks so much, Raymond. And thanks to Rebecca for connecting us. Uh, she recently interviewed you for the upcoming Anarchapulco. Uh, Bear Lando will be doing a virtual presentation. I'll be there in actual physicality there uh, with a ton of our friends. Guys, please go support. This will be our third year involved with Anarchapulco. Go to alphavedic.com forward slash anarchapoco to get your tickets. Really uh, looking forward to seeing your interview on that platform as well. And thanks again, Rebecca, for connecting us. We appreciate that so much. Yes, Raymond. Well, I want to thank you for the opportunity. You fellas have been really pleasant to talk to. And if I can do you a help on any help on a personal level with your what you're doing, if you need me, drop me a note. You got my email address. I'll be glad to help you anytime I could. Thank you, Raymond. We just might take you up on that, but we appreciate the offer. And it's just been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And uh, I will make sure to get this out far and wide uh, in terms of your website, RaymondGrace.us. And please go support Raymond and his work. Uh, we love and appreciate you all out there today. The chat was on fire. Uh, thanks for all the positivity and humor, as always, in our community, which we are big fans of keeping it light and keeping it humorous. So important these days. And remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, go for a hike, go show Mother Nature some love. She'll show it right back. Go jump in a cold lake somewhere. That's why I might go jump in the river today. I don't know. It's pretty high, though. I may die. So I'll you'll probably serve. end up uh, out at Victory at Sea if you try that, Mike. Yeah, I'll be swimming with the steelhead today. Uh, oh, no, we saw know. some big salmon the other day. I, I, I was down there, you know, falling in my water system, and I saw the biggest salmon jump that I've ever seen in my life. Oh, mm. Raymond just took off. Raymond had to go. Uh, what a sweet man that guy is. Uh, He's so, awesome. I'm so happy we connected with him. He really embodies everything we're all about there, and – uh, what I love is just the simple wisdom that flows from him. Yeah. It's just and, you know, that's what it boils down to. And in my years, um, all the the things that I went through personally, everything from university to practices and, you know, everything included in hindsight, um, I'm at a point where I'm distilling it down to those same basic <laughs> truths and uh, I think Raymond just kind of came in wired that way. Uh, I needed uh, to go more of a roundabout way. And, you know, we all play different roles in the world. So I guess it's purposeful, you know, what we all do. But it's just uh, it was a wonderful reminder that, you know, cut out all the fluff, uh, all the things you think you need to do uh, that you think you need to know and just go inside, tune in. And uh, nature's the best teacher. Michael, it's been a great uh, talk as usual with you here. And um, what do we have going on next week? Do you uh, remember offhand? 
Yeah, next week we have Curtis Stone coming back on. Oh, fun, fun, fun. And I'm hoping to get a little bit. He says he hasn't spoken about this much in public, but the current commercial remedy he's using, uh, equity, for um, his property taxes. And he's a Oh, big that's going to be, yeah. yeah. It's going to be amazing one. We had a good connection with uh, Curtis a long time ago. What? Back when we were first just getting started, he was gracious enough to come on and just, you know, we talked more about agriculture, him being the urban farmer and, and yeah. teaching people how to grow food in urban environments. So uh, it's going to be fun catching up with them. And also good to see that he's on board uh, getting out there and shaking some trees in the world of lawfare. So amazing. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to, because on our new platform, guys, if you haven't joined yet, it is an amazing, it's been an amazing start. I mean, we're two weeks in and already it's just, I'm learning so much on there. And what I'm most happy about is Bear's on there a lot and he's 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 answering a lot of powerful questions. And I'm really looking forward to Bear having this conversation of, of the common law remedy versus uh, equity remedy. And, and obviously there's a big difference between being in Canada and being in the great Republic here. Uh, so, uh, that's going to be a really fun one. And then of course, Curtis is doing a lot of work helping people, especially in the States, find land, uh, and get out there and exit and build and all that stuff. So we'll go deep into all those different modalities, how to exit yeah. the city and get and onto your land. And just a final comment is uh, when it comes to lawfare, take what Raymond taught us today about intention and realize that when you enter that world of lawfare, it's 100% about your intention. And when we did our lawfare um, workshop here, wow, almost over a year ago, that's what it was all about. Uh, myself, Marshan, other people that are there were very adept at understanding the paperwork, how the system works, all those intricacies. But Marshan, in a similar journey in her life and us being, you know, kind of similar demographic, she's come to that point that lawfare is about intention, not about paperwork. So uh, folks in our uh, private membership there, we will be talking a lot about that, but we will also share with you some paperwork that uh, we've actually done, things uh, that we've had great success with, things that we uh, took some arrows in the back for, uh, for doing. But uh, either way, we learn greatly from everything. And again, to come full circle, what we learn the most is about intention and uh, thy will be done. And I will say the suffix fair, when you say law fair, people think of, you know, warfare, but fair in Middle English actually means journey or passage. So on the journey is what it's all about. Your hero's journey and discovering your process, right? Through your intention. Okay, guys, love you all. We'll see you next week with Curtis. And uh, please go to alphavedic.com and join us in the private. It's um, really exciting times. Okay, bye-bye now. <laughs>